welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thank you, Jerry, for being a guest on my podcast. My guest this morning is Jerry Williams. And um, Jerry, I know you from the band Harvest. Yeah. Um, and and from what, what I understand, you're a pastor now. Um, but the band Harvest is a, uh, for those who are not familiar, a Christian music band um, that was uh, very active in the 80s and 90s. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And just as way of, as you know, for introduction, is there anything else you'd like to say um, before we just kind of dive into a conversation for introducing yourself? Well, Will, it's an honor to be with you, brother. And um, anytime I get an opportunity to talk to anybody about the Lord and especially about what God is, is doing in somebody's life, you know, uh, what an honor. So I appreciate you reaching out and uh, I'm grateful for all the, just the, uh, the the word that comes to mind is the mercy. What what mercy it is, what graciousness it is for God to to condescend down to us, and then more than anything to graft us in, and then to give us abilities that we wouldn't have in and of ourselves to to do something that actually matters in the earth and helps other people. Wow! So. This podcast, I don't know who your demographic or audience is, but whoever it is, it's an honor to be part of it because it matters, and it matters because of the Lord. So uh, so thank you again for uh, just inviting me to be part of this. It, it truly is an honor. Okay, well, thanks. So I um, was introduced to your music by um, a cassette. I think I bought it used at some kind of a, I don't know, it was some kind of a sale. And uh, <laughs> I listened to it. Um, so this would be in the 80s, uh, late 80s, I think. And I, uh, it was Voices. And I listened to it over and over again and shared it with others. And um, the impression I had, I think why it um, you know, resonated with me was... Um, the lyrics seemed to be um, like you were, it seemed like the lyrics were scriptural, you know, based on scripture. It was almost like it was um, singing Psalms. And then also um, you have a a very distinctive voice that um, has an earnestness to it that seemed to fit the, um, the lyrics too. And uh, I enjoyed it a lot. And then I kind of um, lost track of that uh, cassette. And then um, years later, came across it again and then just had a a fresh um, enjoyment of that particular album again. And and then here in recent times, I just look up YouTube clips of um, Harvest music and enjoy it that way. So I 
Well, you know, I'll, I'll probably want to ask you a little bit more about the music and your involvement in it, but perhaps we can just start more with your upbringing and, you know, what was that like? And did were you involved with Christianity from the very beginning or did that come about later? And how did you get started with that? And um, so, you know, let's just start there if you want you know, to kind of well, show I was born Jerry Alexander, and, and uh, I went through, I, I, I had my mom, my, my biological mom through my whole life, but I uh, had a number of guys that were uh, legally my dad, but was, a, was adopted by one of uh, her husbands when I was, oh golly, six or seven years old and took on the name Williams. And that's where I got the name Williams. And then he left several years later. And um, Christianity uh, Church was a part of pretty much everybody's life back then. I was born in 1950. And so being raised in West Texas, uh, pretty much everybody I knew went to church on some level and uh, it was just part of our culture, more far more so than back back then than than now. But the uh, but Christ was not a part of my life. Uh, it just was going to church. I had uh, two or three different instances in my life. When I was eleven, was one where I really began to search for the Lord. Was going to a particular church at that time. I went and talked with the pastor, and it was a particular church that that believed you had to be baptized in water to be saved. And so I, I got baptized in water and, and uh, I got real wet, but I didn't get saved. And because I didn't have that personal encounter with Jesus Christ, which then you followed the Lord in obedience through baptism. But that personal encounter is, is crucial. So that didn't happen. I had another um, time when I really sought the Lord in my uh, teens, um, but didn't meet the Lord then either. And so I left home. Uh, I, I was raised in Odessa, Texas, which was an oil field town. And music has always been part of my life. My first grade teacher, um, I had no idea that, that I could sing, but my first grade teacher, you know, you had to do music in, in school back then too found out I could sing. And so first thing I knew, I was in some little barbershop quartet uh, in the first grade. (laughs) I can still see those little outfits. And by the end of the year, I was actually singing in front of the entire student body. And so I was like a little white Michael Jackson back then, you know, (laughs) and I had no idea what I was doing. But but I fell in love with music early on. And, you know, the word says that a man's gift will make room for itself. And God put something in me uh, that's music, which is still a a huge vital part of my life. I'm staring at my studio side of my office right now. I still write and record to me some of the most significant music I've ever recorded, but the, uh, uh, you know, so anyway, growing up that way, um, going through school, going through high school. I had one guy that, that kept, uh, I quit going to, to, to church on somewhere around the time I was 13 or 14. I quit going to church and just would go very seldom. But, um, uh, 
then I had a, a guy that I went to high school with. He was the, the president of the student body and all that kind of stuff, but one of my best friends, and he loved the Lord. And that guy just stayed on me like stink on a bear's back. I mean, he just was after me with the gospel. And, and uh, I just kept telling him, get out of here, because I was chasing after a lot of other things. I'd started singing in clubs, uh, at that point, I had a, I had a group that that had some very uh, significant success at, at that point and, and started getting some real no, uh, notification, just notoriety and things like that, press, whatever you want to say it. And I hung out and spent years singing with uh, uh, some guys called the Gatlin Brothers and um in country music and we were we were best friends for many many years and and uh you know long story short i ended up in college doing what a lot of college students do the the girls the, the you know of course singing in clubs i you know i got my alcohol free so i got into all of that and so my life became extremely out of control and promiscuous and all of those sorts of things and so but at the same time, the music just kept rising and rising and rising. And then, then I got some opportunities, not only in, in, in the music I was playing um, in the clubs, but, but I was also I had a full scholarship to a, to a college out in West Texas um, for my singing. And, um, and I got an opportunity uh, given to me to actually go and try out for the Metropolitan Opera. And it was at that point, um, because my my singing was taking me to heights that I had set in my mind as lifetime goals. And by the time I, I was 20 years old, many of those goals were already being achieved. And when the Metropolitan Opera opportunity came in, which I never took, by the way, I was like, there has to be more to life than this. And so I began a personal quest to find out if God was really real. And for many, many weeks, I would, uh, I was already living on my own. And for many weeks, I would go out and I would walk the streets at night and I would be yelling out at the Lord, uh, Lord, if you'll touch me. You know, just physically touch me. I'll give you my life. Lord, if you'll speak to me, let me hear your voice. I'll give you my life. And I asked the Lord to do a hundred different things. And all he kept doing was just convicting me and drawing me. And uh, so finally, one night on September the 1st of 1970, I drove over to this. Uh, remember the guy that was telling you that was the student body president of the high school? Well, he had a little church by this time. And uh, I drove over to his church. They had about 30 people. And, uh, and I walked in the door that night. And, and, uh, and it, there was like 50-something seats in the house. And they were old stadium seats that they had nailed to the floor. And they were the kind that had the, the wrought iron sides and the hard wood that folded. And you had to be careful not to pinch yourself on them. And so... I sat down. The only place to sit was up front. And so I went right up front. And here he comes out and he sees me and he just comes and stands right in front of me. And I'm just 
I'm just sitting there just trembling because I'm wrestling with the Lord over giving my life to him. And Denny Vaughn is his name. And, and Denny just stood in front of me and he looked at the 20 or so people that were there, mostly women. Um, and there were eight guys other than me. And, um, and he looked right at me and said, we're going to start tonight with an altar call. <laughs> and the next thing I know, I just looked up at him and, and I'm just gritting my teeth. And I said, I need prayer. And those eight guys were on me just like that. And they helped me up and took me right in front of these chairs. And there was an old pew that they had cut the back off and made an altar. And when I looked down at that pew, I saw it splattered with what I knew were teardrops. And I broke at that point. I had not cried in years because I grew up in an environment around uh, really, really tough guys and stuff like that. I, I was in an environment that said men don't cry. And so I hadn't cried in years. And I just began to weep. And I wept for two hours. and cried out to the Lord, never said the, the quintessential sinner's prayer. I just poured my heart out to Jesus. And when I got up from that, that altar that night, I was transformed. And within a few weeks, I was uh, accepted into Oral Roberts University, went there, began uh, this trek that has led me to this place today. And so it's been an amazing life with lots of ups and downs on my part, but God has been faithful through it all. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, you what was on your mind was, am I going to give my life to the Lord or not? Um, like, I don't, when I was, I was 18 when I was converted, and um, I was just really impressed with, um, just being morally disgusting and that God had to save me from what I had become. And um, I don't know if I was thinking about, you know, giving my life to the, I don't remember thinking about that at all. I just remember it like, ah, I, I you know, I'm awful. Some do something with me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but um, <clears throat> so anyway, that's just, kind of interesting to me, I guess, just the different um, mindsets people have when they come to the Lord and just, you know, how they feel like th that decision, what it's, what the crux of it is, so to speak, you know, but, and so that was like a, a well, you were born again and like, I guess like a whole new world, I imagine open up to you um, as far as just um, knowing God, being spiritually alive, and and so forth. And yeah, well, the, the the thing that is that was so present with me after that night. Well, even that night when I got up from that altar. I, I also, uh, the reason I was searching the Lord in, in, in the fashion that I was searching Him is because I'd had the same revelation. I, I just was disgusted with my moral depravity. And, um, and I was just disgusted with my inability to do anything about it. 
you know, um, I, I could clean myself up for the, the view of other people, but, but inside, I, you know, it just continued this raging, you know, hungering for what was morally disgusting. And, um, and I had, you know, I, th- I had this longing to be free from that. So when I got up from that altar that night, and, and I literally, I, I could feel myself different. I knew that God had had changed me. Well, I had to go back to my apartment where a young lady was waiting on me. Uh, and when I walked in the door, I, you know, I prayed the whole drive back to my apartment. Like for the first time, I'd been praying for a long, long time, but now I'm talking to a God who's in me, not a God that I'm trying to find out where he is. And, um, and so I'm having this dialogue with the Lord about, Lord, I, I'm supposed to go back and she's there and she's expecting something from me that I can't give her anymore. And, and so what do I do? And, <laughs> and so when he took care of everything, when I walked in, she looked up and she looked at me and she said, what happened to you tonight? She could see the difference in me. Well, I hadn't quite learned how to be be a, you know, a Christian in my conversation. <laughs> so I just said, I met God tonight. Get out. <laughs> you know, yeah. bless her heart. So, uh, so she did, uh, you know, by the time she tore up half the apartment and, uh, you know, and then she got out and then, then I just began seeking the Lord and pouring into him and, and saw, you know, uh, the or Roberts pro this, the guy that led me to Christ had me sit down one night and watch the, uh, or Roberts program. And he had these singers on there. And so I just jumped in my car the next day and drove nine hours to Tulsa um, cause it was a, a holiday. And I, so I said, I've got a couple of three days. Off. I'm, so I just drove nine hours to Tulsa. I wanted to go talk to somebody about this. It, is there really, um, people that can sing this kind of music? Because when I got saved, everything that had anything to do with my former life, including music, I laid it down. And that's a concept that people don't understand today. You know, they come to the Lord expecting God to take what they have and make it better, you know, and when in fact what they have is of no value at all until God raises it back up. And um, and so I had laid music down and the only place that I would do any music at all was in my closet or oftentimes I would take my guitar and go sit out outside on the streets and just play because what I would do, I don't have it right here in front of me is I, I didn't know what to, to sing. The, uh, I did a lot of the old hymns, but uh, that I would do what we call Jerify. I would put them in my own, you know, way of the, the way I felt them and the way I would put it to music on my guitar. And, um, but but I wanted something more. And so from the very beginning, I would open my Bible to the Psalms and I would just start playing 
And I would just look at the, the page and I would just start singing the words on the page that were straight out of the word of God. And yeah. when I real and, and I didn't even know that the Psalms had been a musical format that was given to us. We've lost the music over the years, but there's still lyrics to songs. And when I found that out, I just dedicated that the rest of my life musically, that my lyrics would be filled with the words of God because his words are truth. And my words are just my ideas of what I think his truth is. And so why don't I just go ahead and put his truth in it and and keep my ideas out of the way. And so, Another concept that's been lost by most people that that do Christian music, and uh, it's a lot of the music, uh, there's some music today that's incredible, uh, but a whole lot of it is so me-oriented that it just doesn't do much for for me. I want to I know what's in me. There's no good thing in me except Christ. And so why don't we just use our opportunities to exalt him through our lyrics and to point out his greatness and his goodness and his mercy and his, and his grace and his long suffering and his forgiveness. And, and the fact that he would spend not only spend time with us, but wants to spend time with us. Let's talk about that in our lyrics, instead of talking about my weaknesses and my, my feelings and my emotions. And so uh, let me get off of that real quick, or I'm going to offend a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, kind of going back to um, just conversion, when I'm talking with people, um, and I at the gym, I chit-chat with people a lot, just in the sauna and so forth. Um, one of the frustrating things is just the optimism that people have in life. Like, it seems in your case, and I can relate to this as well, it was feeling the need and feeling you know, that brokenness and, um, that brought us to the Lord. But when I talk with people, um, sometimes they're so optimistic They're and they're doing pretty well as a lost person compared to like how I think I would do. Like if I wasn't, it wasn't converted, I'd probably be dead or in jail. I think just kind of looking back at the trajectory I was going down, but, um, they, um, they're optimistic about their future and their self-improvement, their, you know, how they're growing and so forth. And, um, it, um, it seems like the gospel, they're impervious, you know, the gospel has no meaning to them, you know, when, uh, everything seems so, so great in their lives and they feel like, um, they're just so excited about their lives and so forth. Um, has that been something you've encountered um, in your interaction with other people? And do you, do you have any thoughts about that type of thing? Yeah, well, uh, you know, our society is extremely visually driven, you know, and uh, we are a very didactic society and, and, and we, we've got to have uh, these things that, that push our buttons and 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 keep our senses activated, so to speak. And so one of the most dynamic things that God has put in the earth is missing from most people like that. And and they 
they see what is represented as Christianity, but they see people that are basically the same as them. They see people, the only thing different about the people that they're looking at that say they're Christians, that most, uh, I, I live in a neighborhood and, and I aspire to be radically different, uh, not because it's me, but because it's Christ in me. And, and the thing that is missing from, uh, uh, let me just say this back up a, a second. Not only am, am, is my wife and I, or are my wife and I pastors, but we have, for many, many, many years, we are pastors to pastors, and we have, uh, we have pastors all across uh, the United States that have joined with our alliance, and uh, it's it's a small alliance because it's based on relationship and not on. Uh, affinity, not just on affiliation. Uh, there has to be a, a stream of relationship because we don't believe there's any accountability without real relationship. And so we have an, uh, quite a number of pastors that are under us, <clears throat> uh, uh, quite a number that have been ordained through our ministry. And and many of them are like sons uh, and to, to us. And and so one of the things that, and I meet with them online, a lot of them every week, I've been doing that, a Zoom meeting every week on Thursdays for, I've been doing that 14 years, in, including our leadership in India and other places. But, but what's missing today is, is that radical life of Christ that has so transformed the individual that's in front of you, that when people meet them, they actually encounter Christ rather than somebody that just says, oh, I believe in Christ. There's a big, big difference in encountering the actual presence of God or encountering somebody that's just telling you they know God. And so what's happened, what we see and, and and we see it across the board everywhere. And we have we have pastors all the way from California and leaders part of our ministry all the way from California to Florida to Maine, and uh and and all points in between. And so we we check that all the time. And 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 we see that the the one missing link in all of it is that encounter with somebody that w- when they stand in front of you and they talk to you about the Lord, it's not talking to you about something that they've read, but it's talking to you about someone that they've spoken to that day. See, I, I, I endeavored to make sure that before I spoke to you today that I, that I spoke to the Lord and that I spent time with Him. And so I am just trusting that you're you're a guy that can tell and can understand. I've been with the Lord today, and when you read the Book of Acts, you you see over and over, over and over how the people marveled at these otherwise simple people who were so radically different, and they took note that they had been with Jesus. And what we find today is very few people that profess to be Christians ever spend time being with Jesus on a consistent basis. And so I truly believe that we're going to see a a Red Sea moment, if I can say it that way. It's going to be a sovereign move of God. And God is going to bring forth this remnant army of people that are right now being with him, 
crying out to him, hungering and thirsting for him. And he's going to, he's just going to, to cause them to emerge and people are going to look at them and, and do exactly what happened to that. My girlfriend, the night I got saved, when I walked in, she just looked at me and she could see something different. And so my, my question all the time to people that come in and tell me, I have a little phrase that I use all the time when people come and they visit or I'm meeting people for the first time. I say, well, listen, if you don't mind, I'm going to do a little scratch and sniff on you. And I, <laughs> and I said, I want you to do a scratch and sniff on me too, because I want you to see if I smell like Jesus or if I just smell like somebody that's read some pages about him. And I said, I want to find out if Jesus is real to you, if he's real in you, and if he's, if he's real coming out of you. And, uh, and I said, if he's not, let me introduce you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, because he has the power to radically transform your life in a moment if you hunger and thirst for him. And what I have found is that nobody can encounter somebody that's had that experience and and still think that their life without him is what it's supposed to be. I see what you, I see. Yeah, that's a good answer that um, for someone who feels pretty self-satisfied, what they need to see is something different. Um, they need to see the one who actually created them and has a real right. purpose for their life. Right. And that would come from someone who, um, I guess, is really connected, filled with God's Spirit, and that's just, they have the aroma of Christ. So That's exactly right. Second Corinthians yeah. 2 says that we, you know, it says, starts off in verse 12, thanks, 14, it says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. And through in, in Christ Jesus and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. And it talks about how we are the aroma. And Jesus said that we're the light of the world because he's the light in us. And light always dispels darkness. So I never, ever, ever believe when somebody tells me that they that their life is really good. I said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> You just think that. I said, but you don't know good until you've met God. And I said, and then you'll look at, turn back and look, and you'll see your life is nothing more than a, a compost pile that's just rotting all, all at one time. And I said, wait till you meet Jesus. I said, then your life will make sense. Would you say that um, love is what gives a a Christian direction and and just how to um, engage with these other people and um, you know uh, connect with them and uh, and allow you know what is in us to be seen by them. Um, is it um, like I can think back into my earlier years where um, trying to do evangelism seemed like a Christian duty to me and it was kind of guilt driven and um, I don't feel real good about the encounters I had back then. It was more like um, targeting someone who seemed unintimidating, you know, and, and then just kind of going at it um, because it felt like um, 
something I, I had to do. Um, and I've, in, in more recent years, I kind of think, um, that, uh, you know, love can give direction and if, if, and that will eventually, you know, be connecting in a way that, you know, shares what the most important thing is to me with them and so forth. Is that, what do you think about that? Or do you have other thoughts about like just the, your approach for connecting with those who are outside of the Christian faith? Will, I appreciate your questions. Uh, really wonderful to hear these kinds of questions. Uh, if you don't love God, then you're just a form of godliness and, and, and there's, there's no life or power in it because uh, Jesus himself said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. His commandments are our directives. They are what will, uh, by the Spirit of God, guide us each and every day. He'll tell us what to do. Our lives are not our own, but but none of that will make uh, any sense. And it, 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 it'll be like wearing a hair shirt. It'll itch all over if you're doing it out of duty and, mm-hmm. and rather out of devotion. And, um, I, you know, I have I have encountered that thousands of times through the years with others. Um, I just have to be honest and say that my life from the beginning uh, in Christ has been been driven by my my experience and my relationship with Him. It's just always uh, fifty two years I've been in the ministry now, and and I'm still. Uh, let me give you an example. This is a this is a song I just it's sitting over there. It's 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 on a, a new project that I'm working on right now, and uh, and these these are words that I just expressed to the Lord. I've just recorded this. Nobody's heard this yet, but it's called inadequate praise. And maybe this will help answer your question from my vantage point. And, and it starts off and it says, and I'm talking to the Lord. Words just seem to be inadequate to me as I try to find new ways to somehow show and express to you today my thankfulness and praise. Even if I could find a way to feed every starving child in the world, still it wouldn't be worthy to compare to anything you've ever done. So tell me how, how can I ever be a man who praises you unceasingly? Tell me how, how can I ever do the things that make me every moment worship you? And that's, that's been the cry. I'm even wanting to cry right now because I have had such a revelation of the Lord and I have these revelations continuously of his mercy and of his goodness. Uh, I am overwhelmed continuously that remember, let's go back in our earlier in our conversation where you and I both were, were just disgusted with our moral depravity (laughs) and God came in when I was in that place, I could see my moral depravity and I just knew there is nothing in me 
People applaud me for lots of things, but there's nothing in me that's any good. And I had to find that source of goodness. That's why I was walking. And so when he when he came and I used the word condescend, how is it possible that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords became like as we are so that he could, he could save me, somebody that was so morally disgusting. And yet that's exactly what he did. But more, he, he took my place. He took my moral, disgusting depravity and wickedness and he put it on himself and he took his robes of purity and righteousness and wrapped and enshrouded me in those. And then he said, now I've got you and I will carry you and cover you. When you struggle, cast it on me. I am ever and forever in you and with you and for you. Wow. And he tells me, I've, I've suffered some great failures in my life. Uh, I went through a divorce a hundred years ago that uh, I believed at that point that there was no way God could ever use me again. And so I left the ministry. I, I, you know, I ended up doing yard work just to have spending money. It was just, you know, this was golly, nearly 30 years ago. And it was the Lord who would never leave me. Everybody else left me, but the Lord never left me. And he kept saying, and one morning he just, at one day he came to me and I was just weeping because I had failed him. I had failed him with these precious things that he had given me, these opportunities. And he came to me and he asked me a question. He said, do you really believe that you're the only failure in all the world I'm unable to restore to my glory? And I went, whoo. And that's so for me, I don't have those seasons or those times where, where I, I feel obligated to do things just because I'm supposed to do them. I, I am just, I, I have this continual motivation to do things for the Lord. It's called good news. I don't want to learn some, you know, way to go out and, and tell people about Jesus. It's one, two, three, four. I just want to go out and tell, I got some good news for you. <laughs> and however it comes out, you know, so we, what we do is we just teach people to go out and, and tell people, testify to people about what God's done with them, not what God's done with somebody else. And Will, I know God's done something incredible in your life. I, I've been scratching and sniffing you this whole time and because uh, I've never met you before today. And and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm smelling the Lord all over you. So it's an honor to meet my brother. And, and so when you go out, just have, God will give you the encounters. And that's what we pray for divine appointments all the time. And um, God will give you those encounters, whether it be in grocery stores, whether it be in the bank, whether it be in just outside blowing leaves like yesterday morning. And one of my neighbors who's lived across the street for 13 years from me, uh, a few houses down and has never spoken. They're Asian. He came over to me and I got to sit there and spend a long time talking to him about the Lord. Hallelujah. He's Vietnamese. And I didn't even know that until yesterday. So divine appointments. 
Yeah. So that's interesting. When um, I'm, when I was kind of referring to like love being a guide, I was kind of um, using it more in, in the sense of like, what <clears throat> if I was more like the golden rule, like in everything yeah. due to others as you would have them do to you. So sometimes I just think instead of thinking about myself, I just think, well, what's it like being that other person and what would be the best thing for them? And can I give them that in some way, you know, and then that can kind of give direction rather than, <clears throat> well, here's what I'm supposed to say. And I'm, and this and that, you know, where it's kind of more self-focused and more and just my duty, but um, that's kind of interesting. You're just bubbling over with love for the Lord. Um, and I can see how that does uh, just generate love for others too. So that flows out of us as well. Um, I guess, you know, one thing I'd like to ask is um, like it, it is love for the Lord um, ever something you uh, purposely nurture or is it just something that's always um, it just, you've been f full yeah. of, is it um, something to, to grow um, or something along those lines? Great question, Will. Uh, let me ask you a question in return. Are you married? Yeah. Okay. Uh, have you nurtured your relationship with your wife since you got married? Sure, yeah. It's uh, Because, see, the Lord talks to us in a way as a husband. And in in the the one relationship that he's put in the earth to be be the greatest visual example of what it means to have a relationship with him is a marriage and that's why the marriage has been so fiercely uh, assaulted throughout humankind's existence and so my wife and I I've, I've been married for 25 years uh to Donna and and she is the love of my life and and uh, and she is my truly my my helpmate and my teammate, and and we do everything together. And she is a preaching, teaching machine. That woman is full of the Word of God and radical. If you think I'm radical for the Lord, you you need to meet her. And um, but one of the things that when I went through my divorce a uh, hundred years ago, I endeavored if if anybody was ever going to be in my life again, that I was not going to make the same mistakes uh, by the grace of God. And, and, and the mistake I made was I was on the road all the time. You know, I was, I was gone all the time. We tried initially to have uh, my ex-wife travel with us, but she just wasn't a traveler. And so she didn't do well traveling. And so, and then we started having children and, and so we made a decision that we thought was wise at the time, but it was really stupid. She would stay home and take care of the babies, and I would uh, take care of the ministry. And um, and we just grew apart. And when I would when I would be home, I would I would give her the best of my time and give my children the best of my time. But I was gone half the year. You know, I'd be I'd be on the road a month and then home a month. On the road a month and 
home a month and and um that kind of a thing and so i am when when we when i got remarried i you know 25 years ago i, I told donna i said i will not put the ministry before you and I said, I don't know what that's going to look like because I've never lived that way. I said, but but I'm going to endeavor to do what the Word of God says and, and love you the way Christ loved uh, the church and gave himself up for you. And I said, and I looked right at her and said, I'm going to have to learn what that really means. And uh, I said, because I thought I was a good husband and and that marriage failed. And I said, I can't, I can't suffer through that again. And I said, by the grace of God, I won't. And so my wife and I today, our relationship is so radically deeper and stronger and, and uh, in, in ways I can't even describe. And it's exactly the same with the Lord. Uh, certainly you can cultivate faithfulness. Certainly you can cultivate uh, time spent with the Lord, but don't do it, uh, out of rote. In other words, don't do it by just sitting down and reading a devotional or, or something like that and not stopping and focusing your, your attention on him and, and giving him moments to speak, you know, just be, just be still and know that he is God. And listen, he's ever speaking. And if you let him, he'll talk to you. (laughs) I know that sounds ludicrous to some people, but he just does. And you you can train your heart and and the ears of your heart, if I can say it that way, to hear his voice. It's like I tell people all the time, I could be in, in a ministry setting where there's a thousand people and I can hear these thousand people, have them all talking at the same time and I can pick out if my wife is in the midst of those thousand people and she's talking to me, I can pick her voice out of all the others because I have so trained myself to listen to her. Well, it's the same way with the confusion of life. If you train yourself to listen to the Lord, all of the, all of the other voices, when you sit down to spend time with the Lord and cultivate that relationship, that love, if you'll do that, then you'll hear him through all of the confusion and the peace that passes understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, no matter what the day brings. And learning to listen to the Lord, that's just taking a, a few moments to be still and and to wait upon him, to just to give him a, an opportunity to speak and just to be there to listen is that kind of what you're referring to? Well, what do you think? Does that work for you? Um, I don't. I don't think I practice that. Um, I um, lately, um, the, what I've been enjoying is um, I've been memorizing, trying to memorize a psalm, um, like one per month. The last, um, just starting a few months ago. And, um, and I, um, I enjoy just kind of reciting those. I'm in the process as I'm trying to memorize it, 
you know, you, you have to kind of recite it over and over again. Yeah, and then yeah. sometimes I'll go back to ones that previously memorized and it, it kind of turns into prayer after a, a bit. Oh, absolutely. And, um, and that feels like a connection. It feels, you know, there's just joy kind of rising up in me, you know, so that's, but that's what I've been enjoying lately. But as far as hearing from the Lord, um, uh, not in any particular ways, does it seem, I mean, I, I meditating on the word, I guess that's hearing from the, the Lord because that is his word. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah. Um, but as far as um, just anything directly, sometimes I feel like, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. Sometimes I feel like there's God speaking all around me through, through you, through creation, through providence. And it's almost like there's just a thin veil separating me from seeing it more clearly. I, it's like, I know it's right there. Um, and, um, but for, you know, it, it's just not as clear as I what I would like it to be. But anyway, um, I don't take, I don't pause too much. I mean, I think I have before, but, um, I don't just pause and wait very much. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an important thing. Several years ago, I began something that, uh, again, people are going to think I'm, I'm nuts, but, uh, I, that's okay. As long as they think I'm a good nut, the, uh, I've just, it says in the Beatitudes, it talks about being blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God. And, I long to be a man that hungers and thirsts for God more and more and more. I pray all the time that 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 part of me, which is still me, would decrease so that I could experience and and feast upon more and more of Him so that when that day comes when He calls me home, it will just be uh, no different than turning the page on reading a book. You know, uh, it's just the next page and I'll just step through and and so I, I began something many years ago. I've ever since I was a little kid, I've been a uh, an ultra light sleeper, and uh, I wake up who knows how many times every night. I've done I've done that my entire life, and uh, as a result of that, nobody's been ever, able to ever sneak in on me or anything else like that. And it's just it, it's just my makeup, and so. Uh, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but it's been many years ago. Uh, I thought, Lord, I sit here at night and sometimes my, my thoughts just start going nuts and, and, and I wrestle with so many different things in the night. Um, and, and, and I don't want to spend my nights in anxiety of any kind. I, I want to spend my nights in, in restful, uh, sleep as much as possible. And, and, um, and so I started, um, listening to the Bible at night. I just have it, I just have it playing at night, you know, an audio Bible. And, hmm. um, and I started that many years ago. And so I sleep every night to the word of God. And so, uh, you know, and so I'll start it. A lot of times I'll start in the Psalms and, 
And uh, other times I'll start in, I'll do the New Testament, you know, whatever. Sometimes I'll start at Genesis and it takes me four or five days to go through the whole Bible and to do it at night. But but all the times I wake up, I, I instantaneously focus when, when I when my body wakes itself up I immediately have trained myself to focus on what where the word is at that moment and then I I just instantly set my mind on where the scripture is to see if I can tell where it is and then my mind on the what the Lord is saying and then I find myself talking to him and then I fall back to sleep and I always talk to the Lord when I go to bed and then I start the word. I always talk to the Lord through the night as I wake up multiple times. And then I always talk to the Lord when I get up in the morning uh, before I go make the coffee and, and feed the dogs and all that stuff and sit down and, and then talk to the Lord some more. So talking to the Lord, I talk to the Lord throughout the day. Uh, I talk to the Lord when I'm driving, um, I'm not one of these guys that that just uh, I've eliminated as much of what I would call room noise in my life as I can and downtime or dead time. I've eliminated as much of that as I, I feel like I possibly can. And and so I want to dialogue uh, more and more and more with the Lord so that so that I can finish strong for his glory, if I can say it that way. But I don't even really care about that as much as I care just about being with him. <laughs> yeah. Is um, is there anything you'd like to share about your experience with music, the music industry, um, touring other artists, um, just uh, that type of thing? Anything you've learned through it or anything that has made an impact on you? Well, Will, I, uh, I cherish the years that I had in the music industry. Uh, uh, it, it's been many, many years since since I've been uh, out of that industry. And um, uh, it was the late 90s when, when all of that, when the Lord had me step away from the Benson Company. And, and w- honestly, w- when that happened in uh, 1997, I really... I really believed that the Lord was just having me leave that particular, at, at that point, at 96 is when it started. At that point, the Benson Company had sold for the third time in like five or six years. And so, uh, you know, it was just chaos in there at that time. And um, the new leadership coming in every time, had new ideas. And so each time that would happen, we would have these, projects that we had poured years of our lives into preparing. And we had these visions and these ideas about, you know, how we were going to use them and for the glory of God. And then they would just get, get, you know, thrown aside for the new leadership's vision. And, uh, and then it happened again and then it happened a third time. And then the Lord just, uh, you know, said that he was calling us out of that. I thought at the time he was saying he was calling me out of the Benson Company and, and the chaos at that time. I, I didn't realize he was calling me out of being in the music industry from that vantage point, which is what it became because he knew that 
in less than a year that uh, the wife of my youth youth was going to divorce me. And um, I had no idea that was coming, even though I'd had people warning me that, that there was trouble on the home front. But every time I would come home from tour, it seemed like everything was was fine, except my kids were a real challenge. And sorry, my dogs are, are you know, speaking in tongues in there. So uh, <laughs> uh, are prophesying for some of you. And um, the uh, and so when when that hit me, I've already mentioned to you that I'd only been out of the industry for a few months. And then that hit me. And, and when I went through the divorce, I lost all uh, confidence, all hope that God would ever use a, a failure like me again. And so the last thing on my mind was the music industry. Um, some of my great relationships uh, came to me through the music industry. Uh, one of one of my best friends who left long ago, Dana Key, you know, what, what a, what a joy it was to have that, that man in my life for several years. And uh, I've never stopped writing. I've never stopped recording. Uh, I've done far more music since I left the music industry, uh, and written some of what I believe are some of my best songs ever, uh, since those days, but we've never pursued any kind of an outlet for them. Um, you know, we've never put them on Spotify or anything else like that because we we offer our our music to anybody, and if you don't have any money, you get it free. And so it's it's just I've never pursued that because the Lord took me out of it, and um, and I, I don't want to I don't want to damage my personal time with the Lord to try to become a promoter of my product, if I can say it that way. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I, that, that's been something I've really wrestled with, but as, as you can see, I have, I'm working on a new project right now. I'm 73 years old and I am, I, every time I sit down to record, uh, I still have the ability to play. I still have the ability to write astoundingly at my age. I, my, my voice is still strong. Um, and, and I just marvel at, 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 at what God has given me in this. And, and I just say, Lord, all this belongs to you. I, I don't want to mess it up. So I'm not going to become the Jerry Williams promoter. I'll let you do that. <laughs> yeah. I'll just keep recording and writing and, and these songs that, that I'm getting in my, my time. By the way, Will, all of my songs... I write in my time alone with the Lord. That's where all, that's where all of the songs I've ever written were written from. My <laughs> personal time alone with the Lord. That's why I'm not a, a co-writer with with other people. <laughs> so I've often um, I often ask people about. Um, relationships, what they've learned about relationships, because that's such a big part of life. Um, So, you know, you've talked a little bit about marriage, but when it comes to um, relationships in general, um, have you learned anything in life about 
um, just nourishing, maintaining relationships, not losing track of people or losing, you know, losing touch with people um, or anything along those lines about how to be just wealthy when it comes to a, a relational love connection type of um, perspective. Well, you just basically hit the bullseye of, of the remolding of the clay of my life when I went through the divorce uh, a long time ago. When I, when I went through that, Will, I was one of the things that, that, that it was extremely devastating to me was that this whole, let's just say, village of people that I had surrounded myself with through harvest. Um, and it, it was a very, very large village. Uh, suddenly they were gone. And these were people that I thought would be with me for the rest of my life, including my family. And suddenly they were gone. And real, real easy for people to play the victim, you know. But when I went to the Lord and, and, and I, I was broken beyond what I thought was repairable, uh, I just, I couldn't do anything but cry. I lost a, a bunch of weight and, and uh, you know, just, it, it was a, a very, very difficult season. Um, that's an, that's a radical understatement, but the, uh, it was a death that, that went in my life. But, but, but what was so shocking to me was, was the relationships that just stopped and, the Lord began to mercifully start peeling back the layers. And I realized that I had become so focused on doing what God had called me to do that I didn't have time for anybody else if they didn't help me do what God had called me to do. Hmm. Does that make sense? And yeah. so my relationships prior to that were basically selfish even though I, I, I love people. But today, by the grace of God, and I've lived this way now for 25 plus years, <clears throat> my motivation is I, I believe God has brought you and other people in, into the tapestry of my life or my life into the tapestry of your life. He's interweaving us together for a purpose in I want to see God take the giftings and, and the things that he's poured into me to somehow exalt the things that he's called you to do. How can I become that source of relationship, that streaming of relationship to you that's going to be that miracle grow of the Holy Spirit to help God uh, in you fulfill the purpose for which he created you? And I, I tell people all the time, here's one of my little phrases I use, which I never used before I went through that death years ago. I, I, I say, I'm, when I meet people all the time, one of them scratch and sniff. I've already told you that. But another one that I use all the time is I'm looking for body parts. And um, 
And they go, what? I said, I said, I'm just part of a body. And, and I said, without, I said, if you really love Jesus, and I said, if you are my brother or my sister in Christ, then, then I need to be connected to you because there are things in you that are valuable to me. And there are things in me that are valuable to you because a body part in and of itself, just sitting aside, it has great value, but only for a short time and then it dies. I said, but what gives it value is not what it is in itself. It's what it gives to the other pieces that it connects to. And I said, that's what makes a heart valuable. That's what makes a lung valuable. That's what makes blah, 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 a kidney valuable, whatever part you want to say. And I, and I said, I, t- I tell people all the time, do you have any idea how valuable you are to the body of Christ and how valuable you are to me? And I said, I desperately want to know who you are and, and pour into you whatever it is that God has put in me that's a value for you. And so I am I am motivated by relationship today and, and my whole purpose in life is to pour my life into others. And it's what the Bible calls making disciples. And um, discipleship is not a program and it's not a course you take. It's, it's a streaming of relationship and streaming of the life of Christ. And if I can pour into you something that I've learned that's going to, to cause the soil of your life to grow stronger in Christ and vice versa, then let's connect together like we're doing today. That's the whole reason I came on the podcast was to see uh, what it is that the Lord is doing through this and how I might be of service to you through relationship. And that's why I talk to you the way I talk to you. I'm not talking to you just as a you know, a guest on your podcast, but I'm talking to you as somebody that's building a relationship with you. What does that look like, you know, day in and day out? It sounds, it reminds me of like um, Paul when he's speaking about the different members and um, building one another up into Christ and that maturity. And I like how you put it, the interweaving and uh, how that you know, synergism, I guess, might be a word for it. But um, day in and day out, you know, what does it look like? Um, conversations over coffee? Does it look like dinner? Does it look like working together? Like how in your life, how is, what does that look like that um, connecting with other people for the sake of relationships and discipleship? being disciple making and, and growing and that type of thing. All the above and, and much, much more. If uh, I remember a few years ago uh, sitting in a pastor's home, he had been a pastor of this church for 10 years. I'm answering your question this way. And I was in his home and, but he was very disconnected as most pastors are today. Most pastors are very disconnected from their congregation uh, they have a few that they're in relationship with, but um, most pastors, if the church is of any size at all, are extremely disconnected from the congruence and, and those that are coming to church. And, and, um, and that's impossible 
to be a shepherd and not know the sheep. The sheep have got to know your voice. And so I was sitting in this pastor's home uh, having lunch with him, and I was talking to him about the church, which I was ministering in at the time. And and I looked at him, looked at him, and, and then I pointed over to his refrigerator. I said, "Listen, you're going to have to let your people not only come into your home." I said, "But you're going to have to be good with them going over and getting in your refrigerator." I said, "They have got to become family to you." that pastor resigned the church the next month because he looked at me when I said that and he looked at me in shock. He'd been there 10 years and the concept of actually being in relationship with all of his people was just something he wasn't prepared to do. And he, and he went off and got another job as a Christian counselor and uh, and quit the ministry all together. But it's like I was saying earlier. I have I have a Zoom meeting that I've been doing every week for fourteen years now, and I do it with our leadership across the country and and uh, as well as other parts of the world. And and I I do that. I send out things. I send out uh, study notes. You know, I sit here and. And I, I work on study notes that I do. Uh, these are the notes I sent out yesterday to them. Uh, I, I sent it out to a, a whole scat of them, and it's called Apprehended, Yoked, and Imprisoned by Christ. And I, I spoke to them yesterday about what it really means to be apprehended out of Matthew 11, where Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. And we so glamorize these things. And I said, do you understand what he's saying? He's saying, He wants us to willingly be yoked to him so that he can restrain us and control us and 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 direct us and be in be absolutely the owner of us. And and so I have those conversations with our guys every week. I send out texts. I talk to them on the phone. I go to them uh, to their churches usually about once a year. We get in there. Uh, my wife also goes at separate times and does women's things and teaches and preaches as well. So it's all of the above. We, uh, one of my pastors from Pennsylvania has already tried calling me, uh, and he calls me Papa, and, and he's in his 50s. And um, But he's a guy that had been kicked to the curb. Um, we met him little over 20 years ago, and, and he'd been steamrolled by a senior pastor and kicked to the curb, and his name had been smeared, and he'd quit the ministry. And we we met him the week after that and took him under our wing, and I didn't know him, didn't know anything about him, but I, I sensed the call of God on his life, and we started fathering him, if I could say it that way. And, and today, uh, he's got a church that is a significant, uh, having a significant impact in the poorest county of all of Pennsylvania. And he even has a state senator that he sends these notes that I send out every week. He sends to the state senator every week. And um, many times he's heard that senator speaking on television using the points from the notes. (laughs) 
<laughs> so you just never know. But relationship is is everything to me because it's what Jesus came to restore was relationship. Yeah. Yep. Um, you were mentioning um, talking with that pastor and, you know, saying, you know, he needs to have relationships that allow people to come in and just get into his refrigerator. And uh, <laughs> sometimes I've thought, you know, it just kind of struck me as funny. Um, sometimes um, in order to kind of give people permission to do something toward you, you kind of got to do that toward them. I've, I've thought this before and it, and the vision came to my mind of him going to his congregants homes and walking in and getting into their refrigerators. <laughs> but, um, I'm kind of uncomfortable calling people just out of the blue because everyone's so busy. But um, I've thought sometimes that I need to do that every once in a while just so that they know they can do it back. You know, <laughs> just give me a call if they wanted to. I do that all the time, though. I I, I call, I text, I send mm-hmm. out texts. Uh, I do it all the time. And I what you just said, I've heard uh, 10,000 times. You know, I don't I don't call you because I know you're so busy. I said, I, I'm not ever too busy for you. And um, so it's been an honor being busy with you today. Will it's, it really has. I just love you. You seem like a very detailed, I don't know if you're analytical or not, but you you seem like you might be. And um, (laughs) I'm very spontaneous and, so what a fun mixture that that is made. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, before we wrap up, um, I'd like for you just to share how people can be more connected to perhaps, you know, um, what you're doing music-wise or otherwise, and um, perhaps the best way to be introduced to harvest music if they're not familiar with the band but um is there anything else first that you would like to bring up or mention before um you know kind of wrapping up well it's golly will people today have just been so overwhelmed with concern even fear uh, COVID was a was a great test for the church, and the church miserably failed the test. Uh, it was a great window of opportunity for the church to rise up and and be a beacon of hope, a beacon of peace in the midst of the storm, uh, a beacon of uh, strength and and a light to show the way and. And it, it just, there was just chaos, confusion, and fear that just ran rampant and uh, everywhere. Lots and lots and lots of churches closed their doors. Uh, it, it's shocking to me how many churches are still not opening their doors even today. Um, and lots of them have, have shut down for good. Um, and what I would want people to understand is listen, nothing ever takes God by surprise. And if you just get into the word of God, all of this has been prophesied. Everything that we're seeing happening has been foretold and that it was foretold to us that it might instruct us, that it might strengthen us, that it might encourage us to 
get our eyes up and be looking for his return, which I believe is imminent. And, um, and at the same time that all of these guys that are talking about how these horrifying things that are coming are, are going to come upon us, everybody listen to me. They are. The world is destined for destruction. But at the same time, if you just go back and look, the Red Sea moment that I was talking about earlier was not only a moment of destruction, but it was also a moment of deliverance. And what you've got to do is get your eyes off of the destructing part of it because God's wrath is coming against not his children. It's coming against those that have rejected him, those that are the sons of disobedience, those that are are the, the haters of righteousness in the earth, the wicked uh, that have just stared him right in the face and says, I don't believe in you. And God's coming and he is going to... He is going to bring his creation back into accountability with what he originally created it to be. That's why there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to restore earth back to the way it it originally was, but he's going to cleanse it from all of that other stuff. uh, And there'll be no wickedness left. There'll be no sinners left in the earth. There'll only be his people. So I need you to not focus on all of that, but focus on the fact that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our Redeemer is drawing nigh. And we're to encourage ourselves with all of that. If gas prices go crazy, then God will raise up a standard and and he'll give you the ability to find money somewhere to pay for it. He'll do something if you have him, seek him first, All these other things will be added to you. The promises of God are yes and amen, which means so be it. So check your heart. Do you just say you love God and trust him or do you really trust him? Do you really trust that God's got you in the palm of his hand and no one and no thing can snatch you out? And if he's calling you out of the boat in the midst of the storm, jump out because you're going to walk on water in the days ahead because he's already there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jerry. Um, how would you? How can people um, connect to what you're doing? Is the music you're making now is it available in some way? Yeah, it's it's available through our ministry. And uh, we've got lots and lots and lots of it. And uh, I just put out two projects last year that are two of my all-time favorite projects. One called Unfailing Love, um, and which is a, a it's just a seven-song little kind of a mini project. But I, I, after I put the seven songs together, I couldn't put anything else with it because it just was such a complete work. And the other one is is a project that lots of our followers have just said, man, I love this project more than anything. It's called All the Praise. And um, and you can get in touch with us through epic, E-P-I-C, epicministries.org, um, or info at epicministries.org. Uh, but it's Epic Ministries. There's other Epic Ministries, but uh, just look for Jerry Williams, 
and epicministries.org and you will find us and you can open our website or download our app and and uh and get all that stuff and uh and we would be honored to hear from you. You can email us, you can call us. Uh, if you call and leave a message, I will personally call you back if you ask me to do that. I've done that for people all over the world. So uh, just give me a few days <laughs> to get to you. But yeah, I would be thrilled to talk with you, just like I've been thrilled to talk with you today, Will. Well, thank you. It's been really good. Um, so I appreciate it. Thank you, Jerry. Hey, God bless you, brother. Mm-hmm.